Dribble, page 261. Later that night, I ate a piece of toast in silence. I might have to make toast crumb counting my life's mission because my life is over in every other aspect. Dad hasn't spoken to me. Mum's not so quiet. She tidies up the kitchen and each slam drawer and thumped dish makes me feel worse. She looks capable of dicing me and my wonky aorta with the kitchen knife and eating us for dinner. I can't believe it. You kept secrets from us and from your friends. And what you're doing isn't just dishonest, it's dangerous. And after everything I did for your team last year, you make me look like the worst mother. We've never even been to a game. She turns away and her shoulders shake. Dad sits down and turns his attention to me. So let's hear the facts. You've played all season? I nod. And what about the school? Didn't they put a stop to this? I can't look at him. I didn't send the email. I tried, but I hold out my hands. Dad looks at his hands. He sighs. Why on earth didn't you tell us? I tried to drum up a decent excuse, but there isn't one. I thought you wouldn't let me play. You don't deserve to play, Mum says, her face cold. But go to bed, Dad says. Mum and I have some things to discuss. We're, we're very disappointed in you. I kiss them both goodnight. They don't move. I know I did the wrong thing, I swallow, but please, please let me play. Time for bed, Mum says. She speaks softly and her voice trembles and it's worse than hearing her yell. I go to my room. There are no messages on my phone. Online, a few of Ticket's teammates have responded to his post, including Oscar, who gave it a thumbs up. Nothing from my friends. Maybe that's because I don't have any. The next day, Nana and I sit outside where the magnolia is budding into the most ridiculous blossom. I'd like to point it out to Mum, but I'm tipping she's not really blossom-focused right now. Pretty tough old time, our Nana says. I walk over and spin Nana's funny old washing line where some bed sheets are drying. It rotates in a circle and the sheets billow in the wind. I didn't mean to hurt anyone. I just wanted to play. I know, she says, and I, for one, don't blame you for that. A life lived is what we all strive for. Sometimes we hurt people along the way. She turns to me. But secrets are not the best way. I sigh and nod. Nana, I say, setting the washing line on another spin. Doof and I, we track down Theo, Theo Pothelswaite. Nana's eyes widen. Young Theo? He lives up north now, I say. He told us how Archie, what happened to him. It was a heart attack. He had Marfin. Nan, I didn't tell you all the story about Marfin. It doesn't just affect your eyes. It can mess with your heart as well. I hang my head. I'm sorry. Oh, Nana says, holding her hands on her chest. Oh, 
they did an autopsy and it proved that Archie had Marfan. Nana bows her head. I didn't know, she whispered. He died from Marfan. Apparently he just collapsed one day, I said. It was just one of those things and definitely not your fault. I take her hand and can feel each bone and tendon. I'm sorry, Bug, Nana says. I should have told your parents about Archie much, much earlier. But I didn't know. I'm sorry too, I say. Regret fills the air between us. I let go of her hand and spin the washing line one last time. It swings around once more and then slowly comes to a stop. Next morning is no better. Mum serves me porridge topped with a cold look. and Dad eats breakfast in silence. I eat and hope for a sign, a smile or a look that says, hang in there. Dad's usually good like that, but not today. Horse sidles under the table and rests his head on my knee. Even Nana is not her normal self, eating her porridge like her mind somewhere else. When I can't stand the silence anymore, I stand up. I'll get ready for school then. No school today, Mum says. I've made a few phone calls. We're going to see the cardiologist at 11. What? Cardiologist? What if they find something? But I have to go. And maybe, just maybe, if the heart doctor says it's okay, Mum will let me play. Part of me is glad not to have to face a team and part of me wants out of my world everywhere I look. People are disappointed with me. Dr Howe's cheeks are soft and pink like the underbelly of a dog. He runs a hand through his white comb over and leans on his desk, strewn with papers and a stethoscope. The room smells of disinfectant and chocolate, and I spy an empty Kit Kat wrapper in the wastebasket. The Kit Kat eater looks as old as Nana, but not a Rolling Stones type. I'm not picking him as a big basketball fan either. So, Dr Howe says, you're here to have Dougal's heart assessed. We nod. We've had a normal echo test about six months ago, I tell him. Maybe we can speed this up. Dr Howe ignores me and asks some questions. No chest pain then, Dougal? Breathlessness? I shake my head. Anything else? Lie detectors use how many times you blink to tell when you're lying, plus your heart rate. I've promised myself I will tell the truth. But it's not exactly lying, is it, if you're not asked a specific question? I wind my eyes to stop blinking and think slow heart rate thoughts and I say no, nothing else. When I'm undressed and on the examination bed, Dr Howe stands over me and looks, picks up my hand and wiggles my fingers around like they're plasticine and he's a kinder kid deciding whether to make a dinosaur or a rabbit. He runs his fingers over my breastbone and it takes all my self-control not to push his hand away and tell him to rack off. Then he turns around and fixes the same stare on Dad. We were diagnosed with Marfan about six months ago. Mmm, Dr Howe shines a light in my mouth. Any problems with his teeth? I shake my head, but Mum sings out, Yes, you do, Bug. Dr Louie says they're terribly crowded. That's just evolution, I say. 
but there's a wooden stick in my mouth so it comes out. Dr. Howe's not listening to me. He's got a stethoscope in his ears and he's making a beeline for my chest. Now or never, I tell my aorta be still. Calm, quiet, I send my aorta skinny thoughts. He finishes listening and returns to his desk. I get dressed and sit opposite. So, Marfan syndrome. I nod. Are you on any treatment? Mum shows him the tablets I take. Dr. Howell draws his hands together like he's about to say a prayer. I hope it's not RIP to Bugs' basketball career. Well, it's a good thing you brought Dougal along. Unmonitored, this can be a nasty condition. My stomach squirms like a thousand worms are boot skating, boot scooting in my belly. Can be very serious. Most important to have annual checks. You know, some adults, if they have an enlarged aorta, have preventative surgery to remove the risk of dissection. This is a very treatable condition if it's looked well looked after. He starts writing on a script pad. He'll need a high dose of the medication because he's grown so much. The worms take up synchronised swimming and do a triple somersault. The wall clock ticks and outside the traffic hums. I sit on the edge of my seat and Dr Howe scratches at his script pad like we're not even there. He hands mum a repeat prescription and stands up. Is my heart okay? My voice comes out all croaky. He looks up at me and opens his mouth to speak. Just then his phone rings. Excuse me, he says. He takes a call. Yes, he listens. Give her another dose of adrenaline and some more fluid. I'm coming now. Dr Howe, I ask, desperate just to get his nod of approval, but he's already gathering his keys and stethoscope. He stands up. I'm very sorry, but there's an emergency at the hospital. A baby, two days old. I must go. We understand, Mum says, and she's right. But could he give us a bit of a clue if my heart is okay and whether I can play? I'll write to your paediatrician with my findings, Dr Howe says, gathering his things and leading us out. We shuffle out the door. None the wiser. <laughs>